Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing fine, thank good. you. All right. Well, I think we should talk a little bit about that little old war that could be a big old war if people aren't careful. Yeah. You know, we're still in a minority. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> Believing in um, a constitutional, non-interventionist uh, foreign policy that advised, uh, the founders advised, stay out of entangling alliances and our country would be better off. So we're in a minority. Uh, at least it appears that way. But when I talk to people, it seems like it's a pretty popular position. You know, uh, most people don't want to send our kids over there and fight that war. I don't know why they should be wanting to send any money over there. And sometimes they get very confused because right now they think the war has to be fought, uh, you, you know, with sanctions and p punishing the people who produce oil. And uh, one of the problems we have are rising prices. That's what the American people are most concerned about right now. It is related to war, there's no doubt, but it's certainly related to uh, doing things we shouldn't be doing, spending money we don't have and, and printing the money. Today I want to do something a little bit differently. And that is uh, assuming uh, that uh, I had that call I told you about last night, you know, <laughs> Biden called me, you know, he said, you know, you guys are doing a pretty good job you're getting a little attention and we know you have support out there but uh, would you mind coming over to the White House and, <laughs> and give me a little update on what you think and I said well let me check with Daniel McAdams I don't know whether he'll want to come over or not but but anyway we'll sort of talk about uh, if if some freakish thing would happen like that that they would uh, say you know maybe we should consider what you're talking about sometimes I think they're People who would maybe come around to accepting non-intervention never brag about change of their minds. We only had one or two people who ever yeah. did that. And they just go, and maybe they'll maybe they'll change their tune. They've they've changed their tune on uh, you know uh, on COVID. Just just think of of, uh, of the activity going on with us and many others, and attitudes change, and that could be in foreign policy too. So I don't work with a negative assumption that oh, we just did a poll and only four percent of the people agree with total non-intervention <laughs> in your foreign policy. Why don't you just forget about it? But if we had a chance to go in and uh, talk to the president, and the president was very sincere. And he, he, no antagonism, and it sounded like he was truly asking a question for him to understand what is going on. And uh, I would say to, to the president that that's one of my points that I like to make. I, I think you have to look at the history and know what's happening. And, and in the Middle East, uh, it was too bad that we didn't know our history. But even in these circumstances in Ukraine, uh, we should know about the history. And I, I would, you, you know, mention that uh, from our viewpoint, NATO's a major problem. And there's so much dependency on NATO. And, uh, and NATO runs things. And yet uh, NATO, as far as I'm concerned, has caused so much of our problems. To me, it is the epitome of an entangled alliance. And it's continuing. Here, for instance, Daniel, here's a headline for, for day. Uh, for today, uh, it uh, it said NATO seeking more permanent troop deployments 
to the Baltics, yeah. and uh, Blinken tells Lithuania and others over there. So th this is not this is not recognizing that NATO might be a problem. Yeah, <laughs> and we think it's a big problem. There's other people you could blame too, like uh, uh, allowing that to happen and not listening to uh, Senator Robert Taft and staying out of these alliances. But they're talking about sending more troops and the uh, war may end quickly, who knows, but it might continue to go on for a long time and it might further expand. But my, my argument and my plea is that people understand better how this mess started. And it didn't just start yesterday, even though we talk about 2014 a lot when uh, we, the United States, participated in a coup of getting rid of a uh, uh, democratically elected leader. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this has been going on for a while. Matter of fact, you could say some of the bad spots in the world have been there ever since NATO was you know, created it. Of course, it uh, wasn't too long ago we brought up the subject that it wasn't a long time after NATO was passed in 49 that they were involved in the Korean War. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that would be my main point uh, to the president is to t tell him, pay attention. And maybe NATO is not your friend. Maybe, Na maybe NATO is not a friend of liberty. Maybe NATO has to be looked at from a, a uh, you know, a national security effort. Maybe we would be more secure, not less secure. When you think of the death and destruction, especially since World War II, uh, NATO, NATO had a lot to do with that. So uh, trying to get uh, a president or anybody else oriented toward, you know, what true independence and national security is all about. And if you want to change the world, you do it by setting an example rather than saying that uh, what we need are more troops uh, uh, to uh, go into, into the Baltics, you know. Yeah. Well, you're right. We are in a minority. We were in a minority for <clears throat> probably one and a half out of those two years of COVID, and there are so many similarities, and you wrote about it in this column, uh, your column for this week. We also have something on ronpaulinstitute.org about these parallels between the COVID panic, where you dare not, you dare not say anything against the narrative, or you're an anti-vaxxer, anti-science, bad guy. And now the same thing, if you question some of the narrative, and we've already seen so much of it debunked, regardless of your position on it, regardless of whether you're critical uh, of, of Russia, for example, but you're not allowed to question any part of the narrative. If you criticize Fauci, you're criticizing science. If you question uh, the wisdom of uh, the Ukrainian president Zelensky's views, uh, you are uh, anti-hero or anti-what have you. So it's, it, you're right, we are in, in, in the minority. You're used to this for your whole career because it starts out, oh my gosh, Ron Paul is so wrong, how could he say this? A few years later, how, how did he get it so right? right? I'm not trying to, to, to butter you up, but it's a fact, the Iraq war, et cetera, et cetera. So we had a little thing this morning. We weren't sure how to approach it, so we thought it was your idea, of course. <laughs> uh, what were we going to do if Biden calls us up and says, hey, what should I do? Give me some advice. Uh, and so we each had a couple. You, you had one about NATO. I was going to bring one up. First, let's just put up that first, because this is the backdrop of what we're talking about today. There's negotiations going on right now between <coughs> Russia and Ukraine. Uh, Russia's put forth uh, four conditions for an immediate ceasefire, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But that's where we're sitting at. My first bit of advice, and this is in no particular order, Dr. Paul, if we can go to the next one. Josh Landis, who's a, a pretty good uh, analyst of, of world affairs, uh, found this in the Wall Street Journal, and this is sort of funny. 
U.S. officials meet with regime in Venezuela to discuss oil exports. Remember this? This is the guy we were trying to regime change. This is the guy who's not the legitimate president of Venezuela, who for years were bankrolling this Juan Guaido guy to take over. Now we kind of come crawling and squirming. Hey, guys, can you sell us some oil? We're in kind of a bind here. So my advice would be, okay, that's fine. All that intervention in the first place in Venezuela was counterproductive. They're probably going to charge a premium. But the other thing is, hey, Mr. Biden, we got an oil problem. How about opening up the U.S. to do some oil production, right? You know, uh, most people think in terms of whose side are you on? Yeah, of course. You, you know, are you on Fauci's side or are you on the side of some doctors that know what they're talking about? <laughs> yeah. So whose side are you on? But this goes on and it's sort of a natural thing of human nature. And unfortunately, when it gets into foreign policy, it's very dangerous. But the, the big question is, uh, uh, right now, are you on Russia's side or are you on Ukraine's side? Yeah. You know, who's, whose side are you on? Uh, not too many people right now are asking, are you on NATO side or are you on national independent side? Yeah. So it, it goes on. And But there are other groups that you have to answer the question because they're important groups. Uh, are you on the side of the military and industrial complex? Yeah. And they might be one of the most important group that you have to deal with because they're the ones who have the money and the influence and the lobbying efforts and they have a lot to do with elections. So that's, uh, that's, a, that's a group of people also, the control, are you on the side of the propagandists or are you on the side of realizing that you can't believe too much and you're searching you know, for answers and searching for the truth. And I think there's a lot of people like that right now. They're, they really are. But I also have to admit, if you're dealing with uh, and contesting these arguments with the propagandists, they're pretty powerful. Oh, yeah. And I've just, it, it gives me an eerie feeling and probably scares me as much as worrying about uh, whether there's going to be a bomb in Houston or something someday. It, it, it is the propagandists, how powerful they have been in the guiding the uh, pro-war position, especially in this operation. They did it with COVID. That oh, was yeah. amazing. That was worldwide. Uh, and we witnessed it and tried to point this out, uh, you know, the Middle Eastern wars, the propagandists were very, very powerful. So there's a lot of money behind on this. So uh, I don't know how the politicians, I don't know how uh, the president would even think about this unless he's very understanding and understands how it really operates. Yeah. And so, some of them would uh, understand it. But that that to me is, is a, a big thing that has to be understood. And hopefully we can help a few people out to think about, you know, how do you find the truth? It's not easy. I don't think any, I don't think any one person has access to perfect truth because yeah. it's not, it's not achievable. Not on earth. But, <laughs> yeah. but I do believe that an individuals can make a decision that can make an honest effort to seek truth, to think right and wrong because there's a natural instinct for that. And that, that is something that is available. But for some people, they find that very annoying. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's speaking from a position of, of truth, and that's a, that's a disadvantage yeah. to them. So that, uh, that is what is important and when, when we 
uh, are looking ourselves as well as helping other people see it is uh, we have to do our best to find out what the facts are and uh, and try to relate it to how it should be or could be and uh, I'm still I'm still arguing for peace and prosperity <laughs> well it is frustrating dr. Paul you know I've spent so many decades as a foreign policy journalist essentially and whenever something like this happens you're right it's what side are you on it's like it becomes a football game and I think that is a, it's a dangerous way of looking at things and I think it's because people are so subject to propaganda whereas people who are trying to sift through the fog of war and look for truth are often blamed for being on one side or the other if you happen to notice something if you happen to notice that this is happening oh well you just hate America um, you know you like <laughs> the Giuliani moment oh how dare you blame us for them attacking no I'm not I'm just trying to figure out what's going on and I think that's what the position that we're in but the other comment you made about the um, the concentration of propaganda I mean I think it's amazing well well <clears throat> beyond Iraq war which I thought was terrible uh, where you were they couldn't cancel you yet but they could certainly attack you and they did you <laughs> quite a bit but now with the concentration of so much power in the hands of the social media companies that are in bed with government you can literally be disappeared off the face of the earth if you not if you give an objective different opinion or someone like the Barrington Declaration no you can be completely disappeared uh, disappeared now uh, if you happen to just questions or challenge you know some of these things that are that are being put out you, you know it, it may be a plus in a subtle sort of way that uh, NATO is uh, involved uh, but they don't have troops in there we're not going to send troops in there like like they're totally innocent yeah. they're totally neutral which is nonsense and when you when you look back I mean they've been involved for a long time and we talk a lot about 2014 yeah. uh, that they were involved and uh, we, we were involved in, in the coup and the changing of government and uh, right now uh, you know I mentioned that they're talking about bringing in troops into the politics but uh, now there's also uh, U.S. It doesn't say NATO. It says U.S. has contingency plans for Ukraine government in exile if Zelensky is captured or killed. Well, you say, well, that's just the preparation of war. But you know, when I get to thinking, you know, we've had a few bad episodes over my lifetime where leaders have been killed. Yeah, by our government. No, that's that's <laughs> yeah. fake news. You know, uh, I mean, just think. Uh, I couldn't believe this was the case when uh, uh, in, in the Vietnam War, which I was very much aware of, yeah. because they were knocking on my door, <laughs> and, and that and that was uh, DM was killed, and our CIA is at least involved in that. Yeah. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. So that's that's the kind of thing that exists, and it, it wouldn't happen. If uh, if we were a sovereign nation, if you are an internationalist, that you work hand in glove with the propagandists and the military manufacturers and the educational system, uh, you know it's it's a big battle. But still, why why would people? Uh, you know, want to keep fighting us? Why do we do it? You know, yeah. because because we believe that uh, truth is something you can seek, and that people will respond to it, and uh, that's why this information uh, should get out. And, uh, and most people don't know. And, and as many times as we've mentioned it, how many people do you think, if you walked up and down the street and asked him about what happened in 2014 yeah. in in Ukraine? 
where's this place you're talking about? <laughs> you know, we don't know, know about that. And, uh, and yet, very much involved, and that makes a difference. And yet, they're st they're, we're, we're still around. And, uh, but I think the I think United States uh, has an empire. I think most of what's going on here is an empire. People who get in high places and high, a lot of control financially or what, whatever uh, are, are very much in, involved in, uh, in, in, in the control of what was happening. So that, uh, that to me is what has to be known. Uh, but people are frightened by too much freedom. You know, they think the government has to be there to take care of them. But then there are days when they're sick and tired of government. Right now, we're living in an age of opportunity because there are more people sick and tired of government, yeah. and especially if people in this country are getting sick and tired of it, and they're sort of tired of COVID and the worst. That should give us an opportunity to present the case for freedom. Absolutely. And you know, the funny, you mentioned 2014 and how they don't want to hear about that or they have never heard about it. I was on a panel a few days ago and one of the other uh, panel members was a former senior U.S. government official. And one of the, it may have been myself, but one of the panelists were talking about what sort of put mo things in motion for this tragedy that we're witnessing. And they brought up 2014, they brought up Libya and, Na and NATO's intervention there. And the American official said, yeah, 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 I know all that stuff happened in the past, but we're dealing with the present. We can't talk about 2014 and the coup. We've got to talk about the present. So that's exactly how it is. <laughs> and when you talk about assassinations, you just have to Google CIA assassinations Latin America and you'll find a, uh, quite a bit of reading to do. Um, but here's a little bit of advice, uh, if we can do this next one. And the U.S. is really pushing this, and I don't really understand why. Blinken says Poland is sending fighter jets to Ukraine and gets a green light from the U.S. Well, Poland immediately said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to use Polish territory as a staging ground for the, uh, for the flight of, uh, of fighter jets to attack Russians in Ukraine. Wisely so. My advice to President Biden would be stop doing this. <laughs> we don't we don't want to broaden this war. It's bad enough as it is right now. It's terrible. It could end. Hopefully it will end soon. Doing something like this. Now the military industrial complex would love to see this happen, but the rest of the people who, who like to breathe air on earth and not like to have their skin fall off in big bombs, uh, they should be opposed to this. So you need to put a leash on Blinken, a big time leash on Blinken right now. You know, I just thought of something while you were saying that is that most people uh, know that uh, I talked to a lot of young people during the yeah. campaign. And I liked it <clears throat> and they were receptive to the arguments I made against anti-war and uh, anti-taxation yeah. and pro-civil liberties and all these things. So and the young people were that way. Maybe it's such that these groups, I mentioned the various groups that may be very solidly engaged, and, and that's usually an older group. Maybe young people haven't been, they solicited for her, they have not seen any reason they had to join one of those groups. Yeah. And uh, so maybe that's why their minds are a little bit more open. Besides, uh, if they know anything about economics, it's that age group, 18 to 24, that's more likely to be dragged into war. And also they're going to pay the bills because, uh, you know, the inflation and hits the average person like that anyway. So, uh, but there's, there's one other thing here that suggests that uh, we have a lot of, a lot of work to do. Uh, Beijing accuses Washington of creating 
quote, Pacific NATO. <laughs> well, we don't have enough to deal with. And NATO, well, and, and they, uh, it, 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 you know, when we talked about NATO the other day, we made the point that the very first job they had was getting involved in the Korean yeah, War. Yeah. And, and, and here it was a North Atlantic treaty yeah. that they were devising. And uh, no, we, they're, they're suggesting that we should do this to protect Taiwan. Yeah. Taiwan. And there's a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people, you know, think, think that is the case. And, uh, and a lot of people disagree. But why don't they settle on what is totally positive? That is the best document ever written, not perfect. The Constitution gave us a guideline. The founders gave us a guideline. And there have been many people in the libertarian movement has written well about how non-intervention foreign policy work and when it was ever tried, uh, you know, the peace and prosperity that resulted uh, cannot be argued against. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think Pompeo was on record over the weekend, wasn't he, saying, well, we need to recognize Taiwan right now. And, you know, this is the, they just want to pour... Uh, gasoline on this fire. We don't have any extra gasoline, right? <laughs> I filled up the tank yesterday. It was a nightmare. Um, the, other, the other thing that I wanted to mention there, Dr. Paul, um, is that there, is, there seems to be emerging. Now, this is anecdotal, and I, I mentioned it the other day, but there seems to be emerging, and it's sort of sub rosa right now, but a, a, um, a coalition or a contingent of conservative-oriented political leaders and activists who became very, very strong COVID skeptics. Not that there was no disease, but the reaction to COVID, the government overreaction, they are saying they're, they're starting to feel like this is the same kind of thing as well. And I, I could name some names, but I think that's an encouragement, that skepticism that's, that's healthy and we need some more. Um, I was going to put one other thing up because I'm, I don't know that President Biden remembers this, but um, here is him in 1997. If you could put up that Libertarian Party New Hampshire retweet. Um, of Biden, because what they want to say is nobody had any idea, nobody objected to NATO in the past, nobody had any idea that NATO expansion was going to irritate Russia. This is brand new, this is just Putin woke up one morning and decided to start bombing things. Well here's, uh, and I didn't play the clip, I just showed that you can look it up easily. Biden in 1997 saying the only thing that could provoke a vigorous and hostile Russian response would be if NATO expanded as far as the Baltic states, right? They went there and they surpassed it and went on. So people who were serious back then, I don't say Biden's that serious, but Biden, even Biden and others, they recognized at the time that NATO is a problem and expanding NATO is a problem, but now they're just pretending like they had never thought that. It, it, the idea that this is an opportune time to put NATO o over in the Far East so that China doesn't take Taiwan back, you know, that, that whole thing, it, do, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But uh, NATO, uh, what I would try to explain to, to the president would be that, uh, you know, uh, be, be, be careful. Don't do everything NATO tells you. Don't, and don't say, oh, well, I have a lot of influence. We run NATO. That's the arm of our empire. You know, and then I said, well, I'm afraid that's true. What yeah. do we do now? <laughs> well, well, the only thing left to do is try to wake some people up. And there must be one or two in the administration that would speak that way. But, 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 but right now, you, you know, uh, people, are, people are willing to go along. And it's so often, this stuff that I'm talking about, the propagandists, and you mentioned it with COVID, so powerful. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it's, uh, it's a shame to think, because I, th I think so highly of so many people, 
young people that have open minds, and yet how many other ones are gullible, yeah. you know, and, they, and f easily frightened. Uh, but I imagine those uh, characteristics aren't brand new, but you have to contend with them. So uh, that's, that is a job of uh, certain people that, that they should do the, do the best they can yeah. to try to convince others that the peaceful approach is better. Because I, I do believe we should deal with all these problems. One, you know, getting, getting away from uh, running the empire. And, and if you don't like the leaders in these countries, so ideally, from my viewpoint, I would tell the president, I said, you know, just think how wonderful it would have been if NATO was not involved and uh, there, there was no, no coup. Yeah. You know, in in uh, in, in uh, Ukraine, uh, I said there would still be a fight because of the uh, of the differences of the people in Ukraine. There there is a segment that happens to be all Russian, you know, type of thing. So that that would have been uh, they they've still been arguing just like we argue among ourselves. But uh, they they could argue, but they should settle their problem. It shouldn't be. The United Nations and, uh, and those wealthy, influential groups who have uh, special interest desires, money involved, political power involved, empires involved, and that's the only way it would work. And I would say, yes, we have a responsibility. Uh, we, uh, we had a, a moral influence much better at one time, but we should have a better system where people would say, you know, it's pretty neat in America, and there's still a residual like it for America, yeah. you know, because of that. But uh, right now, it's the direction is moving the wrong way. I think the direction is the way for loss of respect, you know, because uh, of financial reasons and, uh, you, you know, the dollar problem and the uh, empire that we have and the military industrial complex. So that's all moving in the wrong direction. But uh, I, I, I just, I just don't want to be a violent person, yeah. you know, and it should be done by setting an example. I think that should be done in a personal setting, too. You can't you can't grab people by the collar and say, look, you will be a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you'll do it my way, yeah. which is absolutely cancels out all your efforts. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, if we had stayed out from the beginning, if if NATO had and we know now it's a fact they, the Russians were promised we're not going to move eastward if you pull out of, of Central and Eastern Europe, and they did, if we had not moved eastward, if we had not done that, I'm not convinced that Ukraine would have had violence because we saw in the peaceful breakup of, of Czechoslovakia after the end of, the, uh, the end of communism, they decided, you know what? You guys can be Czechs over here, we'll be Slovaks over here. And you do have some of that in Ukraine, you're right. The eastern part of Ukraine is predominantly Russian, and the far western part is Polish and, and other sorts of nationalities. Uh, Ukrainians uh, on the so they may have had a peaceful divorce a la Czechoslovakia we wouldn't even be talking about this at all right now we would wouldn't have much to talk about at all but I wanted to do a couple of quick closers if you don't mind and this one I don't know if you want if you have your earpiece in here to hear this but it's a really short one so uh, it's just a funny thing because this is the, this is a, not a serious administration this is talk about self-delusion if you can put up that first clip this is Jen Psaki the spokesperson for the U.S. No, we are not advocating for killing the leader of a foreign country or regime change. That is not the policy of the United States. <laughs> regime change has not never been the policy of the United States. <laughs> I mean, they say it with a straight face. You know, it's yeah. just amazing. And the final thing I want to say, and I'll just throw it out there. Here's something interesting that if this had happened three, two weeks ago, we would have had it as our lead 
story for today, but we're not even talking about it. It doesn't mean we're bad guys, but it does really make you scratch your head. Let's put this next one on. U.S. Senate passes bill to end the COVID-19 national emergency. <laughs> well, no one was looking. Now, we don't know if this and the current crisis in Ukraine are related, but being conspiracy theorists, as we are, just kidding, uh, it does make you wonder. So. <laughs> That's for sure. No, it's, um, uh, it, it's a fact that uh, we were kidding about the president calling us. We're also kidding ourselves if we think all of a sudden there's going to be some changes there. And yet we still believe that people's minds can be changed but if you recognize where we stand. But I, I point out so often, I think the goal has to be that you seek in an honest way seek the truth about what is really going on. And I think our country, our government officials are in denial on purpose because, uh, you know, when a bad thing happens, when there's an assassination or a 9-11 happens, there will always be a commission. Yeah, good, people feel better. And uh, people never even check and see who gets appointed to those commissions. And uh, I decided a long time ago that commissions have always been set up not to seek truth and find out because it might be the truth is that somebody really messed up and they need their blame for, for messing up on their, what they should have been doing. Or it may have been some type of conspiracy that was going on. But the commissions are set to cover up. And uh, they do a pretty good job of doing that. And when I think about uh, the, uh, the horrors associated with the Kennedy assassination, that still goes on. But I'll tell you what, uh, about 80% of the American people don't believe the commission report that Oswald did everything. So the commissions, you know, uh, are not the answer. There has to be something uh, done in another manner, and it has to be private individuals. But that's what was happening in, in COVID. We needed private individuals not beholden to drug companies and high-paid universities that live off drug money. That, that is uh, the, the thing that has to be done. People have to find independent. And there were, there's, we could probably come up with a list of 25 doctors plus thousands of others who were willing to sign, you know, uh, uh, pamphlets and, 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 and defend this position. So, no, they're, they're out there, but just didn't get a voice. The propaganda is, uh, probably is one of the biggest things. But that's what, in a way, in a nice way, that's what we uh, are talking about as passing out information so people are influenced by it. Uh, but if you allow the propagandists who have, you know, uh, a goal, which is quite a bit different, if they're there trying to promote, you know, some sinister project they have or a war, uh, so often, from my experience, the propagandists have been so successful in fighting a war, whether it was the Middle East war or whether it was against COVID. Uh, that uh, is the real problem. So we'll continue to our efforts to work for peace and prosperity, and we will continue with our Liberty Program. Please return soon.